who told me that I need to have it all, I guess it would definitely come down to to myself and my my lack of understanding of of who I truly was, which again was very shadowed by this lived experience with trauma mm. and then not talking about it <laughs> for yeah. for as long as it took me. You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is, you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. Susie, for some, this has the potential to be one of the most uncomfortable conversations my guests have ever experienced. When when guests come on, they never know where this conversation is going to go, nor do I. So I'm curious, why did you say yes to Trauma Hiders Club and why now? I think it's funny you say that. And I, I mean, I, I can completely agree with you on that one. Uh, however, I, re- I do believe, I, I love what you're doing with this mm. podcast. I truly believe it's something that, that really does need to be spoken about. And, and that's where, and again, I'm sure we'll go into this in our conversation, of where I have definitely come to mm. in the fact of going, I'm okay with the uncomfortable now given this situation and given the fact that I've, I've had many years myself with this more healthy detachment from it, let's say. So you're ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. And I really want, you know, for people that are listening, it's, it's, it becomes a point in your life with, with lot, many things we go through as, as humans, individuals, that you come to a point where it's, it becomes less about, ourselves and it becomes less about our situation and what happened to us but therefore how can we help others and who needs to hear this who needs this important stuff to be said really nice Mm. what what do you want our listeners to know about you I'd love them to know everyone listening that I have gotten to a point which I think is is important to say and maybe hopeful to say also that I am at a point now where I have so much less judgment on myself, more compassion for myself during this conversation, but also any thoughts that come up or any triggers that come up for people that I'd love them to know that I would 
I guess, know what they're feeling. However much I may come to a point where I go, oh, do this or do that, or this is helpful and that's helpful. The fact is these are real feelings and and this is the absolute truth. And so what I hear you saying is through the work that you've done, you've Mm -hmm. come to a place where you can acknowledge your feelings, actually be with them, Mm. and there's safety, there's an okayness, there's there's peace. Peace, my favorite word. Yes, I think you're absolutely right there. Mm. It is the peace that comes from the delving into the facts of what's going on, by potentially, especially with trauma and the brain and how the brain works. So for me personally, I need to know the science behind anything, what Mm. what I'm doing, even on the basic level, because it it gives me a drive and it gives me a want to get better or a want to find a, a better solution than what I would be currently living. So yes, there, there is definite hope and peace coming back to that. There is definite peace in going, Let's sort this shit out, <laughs> you know, and, 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 but truly, truly value it at the same time. Like not, not just put it to one side, which again, I, as we may go into, I, I went to that place for years with hiding everything under the carpet, pretending it wasn't there, not giving that voice value and not believing that the story or what I actually faced or the the experience I lived wasn't worthy of talking about. Mm. I mean, now that to me is, is I, I can't fathom that now, that, yeah. that type of thought process. What, when you, when you think about what it took to open you up, what were you, actually, I'm going to kind of re- reverse engineer that. What were you most afraid of? with regard to your trauma, what were you most afraid might happen if you, if you sat with it, sat next to it? What I was most afraid of, such a great question. What I was most afraid of was Many things, I do believe. I mean, it, for me, it was the fear response of really going down that road. So, I mean, I don't know if it's helpful if I go into what, like the symptoms that came from it. From sure, me. you I can. Because it, yeah, that kind of took a took a turn, to be honest, because I had a, a bad motorbike accident. So I was I was very much dealing with some may say the classic traumatic um symptoms of PTSD mm-hmm. so definite fear responses the obvious ones to me were fast cars situations where I was completely out of control and however I, I didn't respond like that initially apart apart mm-hmm. from to the obvious ones so my initial things were obviously the, the 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 cars the out of control however that for me was something that I felt like I could control so I had what obviously some some people and the massive saying obviously the um <clears throat> excuse me 
the post-traumatic growth. That's how I had lived my life previous to that. That's how I had operated. That's the, the, the op, where I operated from as a personality and, and growing up. So I was always very much like smack on a face. Let's smile your way through this. Mm-hmm. The worst could have happened. I lived. I didn't die. This is amazing. So again, there was there was quite a lot of of growth taking place, like real, true, honest growth at the start. Um, However, I do believe, obviously, other things that then came into my life. So it was accumulation of things that happened. Then that's where I went uh, a little bit more wobbly and in an unstable place Mm -hmm. due to the trauma, therefore, and how my brain had actually changed. So what I was most afraid of coming back to face it because I didn't face it for years. I didn't acknowledge it for years, or at least I didn't say it out loud. So I was, what I was most afraid of was the, the deep, dark feelings of depression that, and anxiety mm. that came along with that trauma. And the second most thing I was afraid of were people's responses to that. Mm. I was so afraid of not being seen as perfect. It was feeding my idea of perfectionism that I shouldn't be talking about this or I was most afraid that I would come across um, like a victim for want mm. of a better phrase, you know, that, yeah. that victim status, that, that woe is me status. I didn't grow up like that. It wasn't congruent to any anything that I carried. Mm. So those were, that was what I was most afraid of. Hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. My fear of taking a look at my own trauma mm. was that I was going to, if I, if I really got the right help, it's so ironic. If I really got the right help, I would fall apart. Mm-hmm. I'd be sitting in a corner rocking. I would have to somehow detach from those who love, love me. I'd likely get a divorce and because my husband wouldn't know me anymore and my children wouldn't know me. Yeah. I mean, I had this, this abandonment slash isolation fear that I would just crumble, become dust and be no more. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, the, right. It's and then there's fear of others, isn't it? Fear of the, the losses, I guess, right. of what we've deemed as will be losses. Yeah. Rather than everything we can gain through having the conversation. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. isn't, the, isn't that, it's, yeah. it's a brilliant game we play with ourselves, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, that's why that, I, I guess I'm just going to stand for this podcast again. That's why these conversations are so important. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just it's, it's opening up something that we as individuals are, I guess, afraid to talk about mm. because of everything you said, like what you're most afraid of right. and, and what layers will be will be uncovered. Therefore, what will we lose from that? However, this it's just it opens up this 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 human connection, yes. this um, this in, imperfect minds which are us as human beings in many different areas and so to uncover them and to be able to sit in a safe space and and listen uh therefore again it it brings us back to that that peace hopefully that peace feeling of 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 maintaining the hope as well 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I I have a stand that Mm -hmm. if you are living and breathing, you have experienced trauma. Yes. I've heard it said that if you have parents, you have trauma. (laughs) I think and, it's so true. I mean, yeah. I know we spoke about this the other day, and this I mean, it's fascinating that I there's certain different situations. I mean, however, and this is the thing. I think it is the stigma around trauma, whether that be the symptoms from trauma or whatever. The stigma around it is that it has to be something so huge mm-hmm. and so massive. And again, I love your stand on that because it's, I mean, there, there can be, there's, there's situations within our lifetime. I know we spoke very briefly about this, but the, you know, I, I do not have children um, and, I, and I've never obviously therefore never given birth, but in my mind, I go, oh my God, that's such a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. And obviously lots of women that would go, yes, I would agree with you there. And yes, it actually was. However, for some others that that wasn't something they would deem as being traumatic, but right. I guess it comes down to. You know, it really does come down to our own personal challenges, what affects us in as individuals and what doesn't as much as someone else. But I do believe that, yeah, there is there are traumatic we, we can't go through life without challenging some type of trauma. Right, right. So for you, Susie, what did it so you you had a very significant motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. and you were in recovery for a while and life i mean i don't i don't mean to yada yada as they <laughs> would say from seinfeld i'm i don't mean to yada yada your experience but as you moved forward and experienced as you called it post traumatic growth looking good and doing, you know, having a positive outlook on life and whatever else. What did it take for you to open up to get supported? So the again, it was the like we were saying earlier, which I think is really important, is that sometimes for, for me personally at that time, I potentially went into coping mode of putting on a smile walking so I was doing a, a quite a high intensive musical theater show at the time as well and what and show was, was that so that was Starlight Express in oh. uh, yeah and I was in Germany at the time so it was this massive built, uh, built set like a massive arena it was incredible and however obviously the you know the experience of flying around on skates at mm-hmm. however many miles an hour and there were it was quite ironic that I never had an accident on stage. Well, you know, prior to the accident, at least. And so it was because it was scary every day. We we're jumping over 10 foot bowls, going down bridges in, in six man trains mm. at such a speed. And it was much as it was a fascinating show. It was there was there was also the pressure of the, that type of industry. Like the, you, you, the show must go on is a mm-hmm. real saying <laughs> and you must seem to be okay or appear to be okay at all times. If not, you can get deemed as difficult or you will, you know, at worst get fired. All of these things that go around your mind as a performer, as in that industry. And so Therefore, I didn't, you know, I, 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 that was my go-to was like, right, I'm okay. Mm. And, and I was, I mean, I, two, two weeks out of a coma and when I was out of hospital, I even went to a kickboxing class 
and thought, mm. yeah, that's okay. My, my partner at the time obviously came and dragged me out. Um, but that was me. I was 22. I was like, this is, this is what happens. You, you carry on. There's worse that can happen. So I, I, I did, you know, operate like that for quite a while. Now, until I went back to work, so it only took me four months. I retrained myself. It took me four months to get back on stage. And I remember it was Christmas Day in Germany. They, they still have shows on Christmas Day. And I went on, obviously, no doubt with just the amount of adrenaline running around my body that was going to allow me to get through that massively high intense show. And then I had to come off for another four months because I suddenly realized that, I mean, I had a head injury. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think the, 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 the lead up to the want and the goal was motivating me so much to achieve it that I forgot that the longevity of the show must go on means eight shows a week mm. <laughs> continuing for however long you choose yeah. to be in the show. So I came off. Therefore, um, and that was a real wake-up call for me then, that I was like, shit, my, my physicality cannot take me through everything anymore. And I'm only 22, so what the hell is going on? So I had to really sit back. However, it was another year. I was when, when we went back earlier, sometimes the other things in our life that can come in to play that really therefore then has an even more of a knock on our mental health. So not long after that. So I had to come off for another four months. I did a bit more rehabilitation. I wasn't even thinking that I needed help with my mental health at this point at all. I mean, it was, it was something very much that I was focusing on, focusing on physically. When I therefore then came back to work and I carried on with the show I was doing another uh, part of the show where we acted, we were doing, we used to do races, which is, I mean, it's a fantastic show. There's races and there's crashes everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, all different levels of the stage or the, the arena. And there was this one point where I used to bash myself into the side of the paddock and do it almost like it sounds very impressive and I can't actually believe I used to do this by the way but it was like a side split kind of thing and oh it was my. I know it looked amazing I must say but yeah it was over the audience and so but however I bashed so I bashed my stomach into the side of this mm. I was just so used to just being very haphazard with our bodies I guess we're used to the the adrenaline that brings we're used to our bodies truly like taking us through anything and Therefore, I, I collapsed on the stage. Something must, um, I didn't know what had happened at the time, but I mm. collapsed on the stage. My partner and actually one of my very good friends who I was in the train with at that time on stage carried me off stage and I, I obviously couldn't, I, I was um, passed out. And then I woke up, unfortunately, I woke up in, in hospital the next thing I knew and I had had a miscarriage. So it was... I didn't know I was pregnant. I went into the shame of and the guilt of that through, again, through my partner at the time. I, I felt like I'd put him through enough mm. <laughs> and the guilt of obviously because it was on the back of his bike that I, I flew off the bike. And I had been begging him to get on that bike for months. And so I had the guilt of that all came out. The guilt of, again, me feeling like, for whatever reason, I thought it was wrong to be pregnant at 22. Mm -hmm. So the shame of, I, I, I didn't tell anyone until last year, actually, in fact, mm. because I just, because I, the pregnancy wasn't planned, I didn't think it was a loss. 
at the time. I didn't, I didn't actually talk about it at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk about it at all. I think I may have told one person in my life. And in, until last year, I therefore, I only told my mum last year, which I told mm. my mum everything. And unfortunately, my dad passed away last year. And um, it was just before he passed away that I actually started talking about it, and which I don't know why it came up in my life mm-hmm. at that point. Um, but therefore, the losses that we face, I do believe that, that that's what brought up the loss to my sense of self that through that happening. Yeah, and and therefore my, my relationship with time went very rocky. Mm. I was trying to be there for someone who actually wasn't necessarily emotionally available. Therefore, it sh- I, I just disconnected at that point, and I was very much a connected person, energy wise, mm-hmm. with people, and that to me was everything. Human connection, and when and when I I felt those those two very much sense of losses, I guess, and I guess in hindsight now knowing what was probably going on in my head I was therefore then going through the grief process without knowing it and uh, to listen to that or to not listen to that was massively life-changing and difficult because I didn't know what was going on and so therefore yeah I I did not face that but that was in answer to your very original question that was what was that's what kind of showed up for me in terms of when I had to sit back and truly start listening to what was going on. Yeah, really. Um, I, w- I want to, I want to acknowledge the pregnancy loss, although you, you know, it was unplanned. You didn't know about it. There's mm-hmm. actually, I shouldn't put that although in front of it, you didn't know. And mm-hmm. it was unplanned mm-hmm. as someone who has also had a miscarriage that it, Planned, unplanned, I'm not sure it makes a difference, right? There's there's the experience of loss. Yeah. And then the, at least for me, and tell me if this is something that you also experienced. For me, there was, there have been just stages or milestones that in years that have come up and I've thought, huh, I wonder who that person would be right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You're so right. Yeah. You're so right. And again, I mean, thank you also for saying not just for my benefit, mm-hmm. but for the benefit of, of the to- even the way that we're speaking about mm-hmm. all of this today and putting value on things, regardless of whether, again, it's something is planned or not, is that sense of loss. And actually rightly so like you're doing with this podcast is putting value to all types of trauma regardless yeah. of the you know what happened and so yeah that's that's a massively great point that you you, you reiterated there as well and the state yeah the stages the milestones I mean I do look back I guess also I mean again this is just for me personally of going because I never did have children there were there were times I really did want to have children it mm-hmm. didn't work out for me in terms of my my relationships and I chose therefore I chose not to have children however those yeah I just think how different would life be right or, you know of course and um, I can understand exactly why you would why you would think that how does that where does that make you go when you when you have those thoughts yeah where I go is I remember what year it was. And then I see like either friends, kids or people I know who have kids 
who were born that same year. And it's interesting. I think about the span between the the children I do have and this miscarriage. And often there's a sadness and then there's also freedom mm. that in my mind, this life was not going to be. It's it's interesting. From the time I found out I was pregnant, this would have been my third child. And when I found out I was pregnant, I didn't believe it. In fact, I went to my my obstetrician several times to, because I kept saying, like, I don't feel pregnant. I think I lost this pregnancy. Uh, something is happening here. This doesn't feel like the other pregnancies. And it was a actually a late miscarriage. I was, I think, four and a half months pregnant or wow. four months pregnant. And it, yeah. And I didn't believe it, but it was interesting. Right before I miscarried, probably a couple, two weeks or so before I miscarried, I would say I had come to the point where I did believe I was pregnant, mm. where I thought this is going to happen. And then, yeah, and then I started miscarrying. And it was in, it, another interest, just a little interesting tidbit. I went to the, I went to the hospital. Mm. They did an ultrasound. They showed a heartbeat and they said, go home. You're fine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And so I miscarried at home. It was, oh, it was very, very difficult and painful and unpleasant and went back to the hospital the next day. And they said, you have evacuated all of, all of this pregnancy. Wow. Yeah. At home. Goodness. Yeah. So that experience, the experience of the pain is not when I remember the experience of loss for something I didn't believe in, but yet I think it was a loss of hope. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was probably the most, if there was devastation, I don't know that I let myself feel that heartbreak, but looking back, yeah, it was the, the loss of hope that felt the biggest. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. And again, that's a, a word that we said earlier, a lot of going, with, you know, to give, to feel hope is part of peace, isn't it? Right. Um, and without that for a moment, it can feel very bleak. Yes. And, and again, attaching all of these feelings and words onto a trauma as well that we have, that we have experienced is something I think is a natural go-to to do. Yeah experience of loss I mean it's, it's such an interesting one again for for yourself where you've regardless of whether you believed it was happening mm -hmm. you knew the truth of whether that was happening that must have been such I mean the loss of something you physically have right um, and that yeah that's what I couldn't understand for a long time again without talking about this to anyone the experience of something I didn't know I had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was going, or the experience of the loss, sorry, of something that I didn't know I had. And how right. could I still be feeling those, uh, that, that loss or that, mm. um, that slight, let's say, depression about that, that sensation of loss? Yeah. Uh, 
very, very strange. And, I, I, you know, without knowing the, the ins and outs of the, the science with the, the woman's body, but I can only imagine that that actually is a thing. <laughs> I, right. well, I don't know it's a thing. Absolutely. Uh, it's oh, it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, we are. Right, we're, we are hormone chemical machines. It is. It's a fucking thing, people. Yeah, Susie. This might. Well, I'm just going to ask this question. Who told you that you need to have it all together? I love that question. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go two ways here. First of all, myself always did. I mean, I, I must say, obviously, again, after lots of discovery and, and you know, self-analyzation, I, I do personally believe that I, I grew up as a perfectionist to a degree. Again, there's, there's so many different variants on this. I did definitely grow up with, you know, I would never show something unless I deemed it to be perfect or it was practiced or it was rehearsed it was and I don't I do believe that was even before I became a you know an an actor or performer in that way to make mistakes would be very private to me I'd be like well I'll make the mistakes I don't mind making mistakes however they're going to be behind closed doors and then I'll come out with the finished product so to be honest definitely part of that was down to myself um also society as we know it I mean this this might be a, a given as an answer I do believe that there is and hopefully this is changing one book at a time one podcast at a time one conversation at a time that it is okay to not be perfect or whatever we deem to be perfect or does that exist all those lovely conversations surrounding you know that you could you have to need to have it all like you said it was so definitely society how I personally was brought up in a fantastic family don't get me wrong but you know it was um it was very much in the village I grew up in everyone had the the children the marriage and I Absolutely, as a personality, and I must say this, and I, I say this with a massive grin on my face now, I am quite alternative as a person. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm, my, my value of freedom was just as high as my value of, you know, family or, or security. So I would very much be in conflict with that at times until I truly realized my values and, and how I was, my, my path was almost aligning itself to these values without me knowing it and what I could therefore let go of, of what I didn't need to have, like you put it. So who told me that I need to have it all? I guess it would definitely come down to, to myself and my, my lack of understanding of, of who I truly was, which again was very shadowed by this lived experience with trauma Mm. and then not talking about it (laughs) for for as long as it took me yeah and and then therefore discovering self-compassion discovering the healing journeys whatever we want to call it that we can take and discovering that you know the the points of burnout and where things have to change and therefore discovering and obviously coaching for me discovering coaching was a game changer absolute game changer about 10 years ago for me when um my I grew up with my dad he, he was a he was a coach as well so I had grown up with this kind of mindset the coaching language of when I was ready for it 
what is next? All those beautiful questions of what right. do you want instead? Let's go back a little bit and uncover all this. However, how can we turn over this around? So um, that was a really long answer to that really one beautiful question you asked me. I do apologize. Uh, I guess it's, it's what other people, what I deemed other people thought of me. Therefore, I you know, I'd have to have it all. How about you? Because that's such an interesting question, which I know probably every person individually would have a different answer to. Yeah. Who told me I had to have it all together? Me. Mm. I told myself, by the way, prior to my trauma, I that was not even a thought for me. Mm. Yeah, it was like, be a kid, be free, play, be goofy. Which I, by the way, I was post-trauma as well, was goofy and funny. And what I believed post-trauma is that I don't need anybody's help because there's nobody who can possibly help me. Because I am broken Mm. and filthy and naive, although I didn't have the word for that. I was only 10 years old. I I can't trust anyone but myself. Yeah. And I don't even know that I can trust myself so well. But the only thing I did know then was that I had to keep it together to navigate my situation so that nobody would know, right? One one of, one of my abusers, something he told me was that if I tell anyone he'll hurt my family or my family will be hurt. So I couldn't possibly tell anyone. And yeah, so I had to have my shit together and present with this. I don't, I I wouldn't say that I was a perfectionist. I was too fucked up for that, but strong, competent, confident, that like authoritative, definite controlling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely showed up that way. Yeah. And and I suppose the steeliness of that comes back to like my family of origin. Emotionally, I I don't think that there was a place to express emotion. And I I didn't know then that I am very much a feeling person. Yeah. In fact, today, here I am in my 50s and it's, it is work for me to identify what I'm feeling when I'm feeling it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, But I do have the awareness to slow down, get in touch with my body. I, and, and, you know, sort of go back to center and center myself. What is this? And make choice from that place but that's that's a learned behavior and it sort of it sort of feels like a system now it's not something that i came by naturally mostly because right i i as i was someone who was detached from my body because yeah. my body is filthy and damaged and broken and whatever else mm-hmm. it's yeah 
That as, makes sense. Right. Right. We we learn behavior is something that obviously you come back to now and that can still serve you as if you were as if it was natural to your body. Right. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I always and I've said it in other podcasts mm. that I wish people had like a chart above their heads. Mm-hmm. Like a periodic chart of the elements, only it's a chart of emotions, so that when I'm speaking with them, I can look at the chart and say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. By the way, the chart is not for them. The chart is for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. I can choose from these. These are the emotions I'm feeling because I've, I've spent the vast majority of my life not feeling emotions. And I remember when I got into this personal growth space and people would come out with these, what I thought was beautiful words to express what's happening within them and what's happening in their world. And I thought, I can't do that. You know, this is only less than 10 years ago. And it, it, it's, it was when I started making a, a commitment to the work that I started cracking open Right. Yeah. Yeah. And could, could start to feel, can't say I'm an expert at it. Not at all. Yeah. So Susie, I have a question for you. What do you imagine would happen if you did nothing to work on healing your trauma? Oh my goodness. It just would have manifested itself in all different ways. I mean, the way I was going from it, you know, when when it came to that point where it, it was almost smacking me in the face that I had to do something was was that of anger, you know, an abuseful emotion at times when used correctly. <laughs> However, anger was a catalyst for me of obviously rising up to that kind of that beautiful level of more acknowledgement and and where you get when you, if you get through anger i always say this to, to to people that are fascinated by this subject if you you know if you can get through the angry stage then you're more more closer to an acceptance and it doesn't mean you won't go back there but learning how to view that stage and and use it for your for your own benefit can be really helpful mm. however i would imagine if if i hadn't had taken a grasp of, of the trauma side of, of what was going on throughout my body, it would, it would have just stored there. And as we both know, obviously it stores everywhere in our bodies, right. in our muscles, our fascia, everything. And I, I, I can only imagine I would have become almost bitter. I hate that word, but mm-hmm. again, something like that or very, very angry. I would have not expressed have that expression physically and emotionally I mean for me they go hand in hand um, because may potentially because of the way I got uh, brought up and and very opposite to you in that way of the my body mind connection was everything that I went by I actually even to this day if my body doesn't feel quite right I'm not right mentally if my mentality doesn't feel right I'm not quite right physically and mm. I've, I've got very much a, a body mind connection um, so I I can only imagine that I would be very intensely 
like physicality wise I can actually only imagine that I would be worse and um, mentally I would be hugely angry and would probably potentially have not have worked through certain relationships that I did or not known how to get out of the ones Mm -hmm. that I was supposed to be getting out of at the time (laughs) yeah I I imagine for someone with such a mind-body connection that Mm. you you would have been out of alignment almost like like a chiropractor, right, (laughs) would need to, if that works, would need to realign you, right? You would live a life out of alignment. And yeah, it was definitely that, definitely that. And and even that, going back to that that relationship one, I I can actually only imagine that I would have, actually, that was a massive, another, again, we, we, you know, there's so many catalysts for, facing our traumas and, and, and what happens to, to get us there to actually unpeel all these layers in the first place. Another one was actually quite a seriously toxic relationship. And I talk about both of us within that relationship and mm. our behavior toward one another. And it was just not, you know, that that was another massive reason to 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 face what was truly going on because it was all coming to the surface because I couldn't hold the anger down regardless of the situation I shouldn't have put myself in and I hate to use the word shouldn't in hindsight obviously Mm -hmm. I'm very okay that that wasn't the best decision however it did force me almost and was the catalyst for me opening up even more layers and discovering more of the shit or what I deem to be shit and it and yes it was a lot of the time however I do believe that you know you know unless someone's been through trauma is a funny thing to some degree it's hard to put into words how incredibly life-changing it can also be because it can open up like such a whole new world of possibilities if we let it if we speak about this and if we normalize the stigma around the conversation and the the lack of trust that we potentially have Mm -hmm. in ourselves to be speaking our truth and it's okay to do so yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the great news <laughs> for all the glory of living with trauma. We've all lived through it. Yes. Right? We've all lived. We've lived through a pet. We've lived through a pandemic. Yep. We're breathing. We have parents. Mm-hmm. We've been in gym class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. This is it. Right. And like right. we said earlier, all these different things that are traumatic for different right. people. Right. And, we, um, yeah. yeah. We've either been a mean girl or been affected by mean girls. We've been in a boys group, whatever, whoever, right? Being human, you have experienced trauma. Susie, I'm I'm curious, what has been most useful for you in being here in the Trauma Hiders Club? To be able to talk to you about this, like it's mm. it's always it's it's like that it's a trusted space yeah. already because it's you know it's you because of your experience as well Mm. the fact that you are opening up this space the fact that potentially the people that are listening to this are are, are going to be needing it so most useful for me is to go here here's some here's some of my experience Mm -hmm. you're not alone and therefore I don't feel as alone of course and we can it's a gift to give that to someone it's also a gift for someone else to give us back so in this space you've done both of those things so incredibly so thank you really nice what are you most excited about in your world what do you want listeners to know about you yeah about me yeah Um, what what's exciting you I'm excited. I mean, my work now is from from where I came. See, I was a performer for years and years. 
up to 10 years ago, well, 10 years ago, I still perform acting when it bloody comes back round, of course. However, you know, co- coaching and, and, and a CBT therapist as well. So it, those two combined, that language for me is massively exciting. And to be honest, when I first found that, that was another part of my my healing journey, whatever you want to call it, of course. And it 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 reaffirmed to me about this this my massively high value of, of human connection. Mm-hmm. So to me, the exciting part is now is growing my business and and working with people that are are, are truly take responsibility for their lives as well and the, the value that's put on being able to open up all these conversations and actually mm. and, and really view mental health as something that is an everyday conversation. So that is massively exciting to me. I'm working with lots of uh, stu- theatre students actually at the same time at the moment and faculty alike with the whole performance side of stuff, with the confidence, the resilience, the anxiety that goes with that, regardless of whether people do feel that they have dealt with trauma my backstory massively adds to the resilience built and how I can pass that on. That is exciting to me. And talking to people like yourself and Mm. being able to have these conversations um, surrounding something that we're so passionate about. Love that. Mm -hmm. I really love it. So confidence and resilience, that's, that's who you are to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's my experience of you. Well, thank you. I mean, it, they, they go hand in hand. And mm. I do believe that it's, it's, again, it can be, it can be learned behavior. Yes, it's lovely when we feel these things naturally or build these things naturally. However, it, it, you know, it, it just takes a little look, sometimes even a little look at what's beneath the surface and really putting value on our mental fitness as well as our physicality. And obviously mm-hmm. they, they go hand in hand. And, and the, the upsides to this and what we can gain through having these conversations. Susie, how can listeners find you? Right. So the best place, my preferred place is my my website, actually, which I'm doing currently. So it's Susie Bastoni coaching at, sorry, no, it's not. Oh God. Let's re-edit that one. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We'll have a link, but you, but go ahead and say what it is. It's SusieBastoniCoaching.com and on there, Again, I've got things about resilience that people can download mm. um, and to keep in touch as well. And that's my, my preferred way. But all social media platforms as well. I'm on Insta a lot for some reason. I'm getting down with the kids, you know. But yes, they can reach me definitely through my website. Excellent. Excellent. Susie, it has been wonderful to speak with you. Thank you for opening up. Thank you for bringing your radiance and your brilliance to this conversation. I believe it's an important and useful and even lovely conversation mm. that that so many people are didn't even know that they want to hear. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so, so much for having me and opening the space up for people to listen to this is just incredible. So thank you so much, Karen. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. 
head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.